TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You are entering the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And this time on the Audio Vault from KCBS Radio, we go back a half century, 1968, a time of turmoil in the United States, and a name synonymous with that turmoil, that of Eldridge Cleaver. Eldridge Cleaver, the black militant who wrote the book Soul on Ice, released in 1968. Cleaver had been a prison inmate for many years, paroled in 1966, partly on the, uh, on the back of the writings he had done, a collection of essays that eventually would be published as the book Soul on Ice. After his parole, Cleaver, Huey Newton, and Bobby Seale got together. Cleaver became the Black Panther Party's Minister of Information out of Oakland and at one point decided to run for president. And that's what leads us to this particular piece of audio. On October 8, 1968, Cleaver held a news conference in Oakland to react to news that the Supreme Court had refused to intervene. Cleaver had been trying to get his name on the California ballot for the 1968 presidential election. California's Secretary of State, Frank Jordan, not the same Frank Jordan who would later be chief of police in San Francisco. This Frank Jordan had ruled that since Cleaver would not be the constitutionally required 35 years of age by the time of the presidential inauguration, He was not a legitimate candidate. He called a news conference to respond to that. It was actually just about a month later that Cleaver would be uh, facing imprisonment after a shootout that had occurred back in April of 68. He jumped bail in November of 1968. He went to Cuba and then Algeria, eventually becoming disillusioned with communism, returned to the United States in 1975, and the charges against him were eventually dropped. But this episode in 1968 shows Eldridge Cleaver... uh, looking to become a presidential candidate and losing a battle before the Supreme Court. We've all got mic problems there. Okay, I'm James Van, Northern California Chairman, Peace and Freedom Party. Uh, we have here on the panel today Paul Halvonic, who is the Northern California Director of the American Civil Liberties Union, Eldridge Cleaver, who is Minister of Information, Black Panther Party, and presidential candidate, Peace and Freedom Party. Uh, we, are, we have called the conference today, first of all, to announce and to discuss the process of appeal which the Peace and Freedom Party has gone through in an attempt to get the name of Eldridge Cleaver on the ballot in California, which turned out to be a rather disgusting process. And uh, we're going to want to uh, announce the result of our appeals finally terminating in a hearing before the U.S. Supreme Court. I'd like now to have Mr. Halvonic speak about that. Well, yesterday the uh, Supreme Court of the United States turned down our petition uh, for a hearing 
to require the Secretary of State to place Mr. Cleaver's name on the ballot. Uh, we lost in that endeavor, I think, because of time. The state filed a number of affidavits on its ballots and how they were already progressing and how it would be impossible to carry on the election if we were to have the names of Cleaver and additionally in other case the name of Gene McCarthy put on the ballot at this time. I think that wasn't the case but I think it might have been persuasive to the court. Uh, the ultimate result is a confusing and misleading ballot for the people of California. Mr. Cleaver's name on the ballot for any purposes other than information is irrelevant. Uh, you can't vote for a presidential candidate directly. You only vote for electors pledged to the candidate. Those electors are certified. If you vote peace and freedom, you vote for electors pledged to Mr. Cleaver, whether his name's there or not. So for people interested in voting for Mr. Cleaver, uh, you still have just as good an opportunity as you had before. Uh, simply mark an X in the peace and freedom, uh, uh, peace and freedom box in the ballot. Mr. Cleaver, how do you feel about not being on the California ballot? Well, I think that uh, we're more concerned about the motivation of the people who have moved to block us from being on the ballot. Uh, we fulfill all of the uh, legal requirements of a political party uh, for uh, being able to conduct its business through the legal channels. And we feel that it's a politically motivated activity on the part of the Secretary of State uh, as you know, this is an election year. Uh, California is a very key state uh, in terms of deciding this whole presidential election. And um, because they anticipate and we anticipate there's going to be a very uh, hotly contested uh, election, uh, it's going to be a close uh, uh, vote count all the way around so that those uh, who are really trying to do everything that they can to uh, win that office by any means necessary are not stopping at any uh, move and this this is a particular move we feel politically motivated to help uh, those who control uh, Jordan to win California in November. Well what's the next stop? Where do you go? Well we've gone to the United States Supreme Court. Um, it would be a decision for the attorney as to whether or not he would repetition the court. I don't know if that could be possible at this time but we're going to go right ahead with our work um, attempts to organize people and to pull people out of both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party essentially to destroy those two parties because we feel that they have uh, gotten so far out of line uh, with the needs and the desires of the American people that they virtually constitute uh, criminal conspiracies against the people. So we're going to continue to organize and to build the Peace and Freedom Party so that the people will have a true alternative to the present chaos and madness that prevails in this country. Are you going to try to pull anybody out of the uh, American Independent Party, Elders? Well, we think that uh, the American Independence Party uh, will die on its own weight, its own futility. We don't buy, you see, we don't buy uh, the propaganda that we read in the newspapers which says that the American people are flocking to George Wallace's banner. We don't believe that. We think that this is uh, propaganda principally paid for by Richard Nixon uh, for the purpose of having uh, a right-wing extremist to the right of himself so that he could come out looking like a middle-of-the-roader with Hubert Humphrey on the left. This is an absurd uh, situation, and uh, we feel Richard Nixon is behind that. And uh, later for George Wallace and his party, uh, the American people don't need it, and I don't think that they're going to be deceived by that. I want to underscore the, the role of the Secretary of State in this. It was a, as Eldridge has pointed out, it was a deliberate, uh, predetermined attempt to keep the Peace and Freedom Party off the ballot and to keep the name of Eldridge Cleaver off the ballot. Two days before Eldridge Cleaver was the certified Peace and Freedom Party candidate, 
Secretary of State had announced, and it was published in the papers, that Eldridge Cleaver would not be certified on the California ballot. This was even before he was a certified candidate. The Secretary of State had moved deliberately to keep Cleaver's name off the ballot. And that was not even the issue. The issue, uh, beside the fact that his job, is, is that he outstepped the bounds of his job, uh, as Mr. Halvonic can say, uh, can, can speak to the nature of the Secretary of State's job as defined by the California Constitution. The, uh, the crux of the matter was that we were well aware that Mr. Cleaver was not 35. However, the Constitution does not say that you must be 35 to run for the office of president. It says you, can't, you must be 35 before you can assume that office. However, ours was not a candidacy to attain the office of the president. Ours was an office to use that, to use that mechanism of running for the president to educate the American people about the decadence of this society. And this is what they didn't want to have. If that's the case, then, and Mr. Jordan actually do you think that he was trying to dissuade people from voting for your party because they would vote for the party, or do you think he's trying to dissuade them from voting for him because he favors another well, it would be a combination of that, wouldn't it? Uh, if, if we would show a very good um, result at the poll, uh, this would be very embarrassing to these decadent political parties that are now on the scene. At the same time, uh, they could hope not to have any votes come our way so that uh, they could have these votes in their own column. So I think that uh, a politically motivated Secretary of State would have both of those things in mind. Is Huey's name going to be on the ballot? I don't see why not. Uh, he fulfilled all the requirements. Is it on the it is a certified candidate. As a candidate. The uh, Secretary of State, I, I believe, very definitely moved to try to dissuade people from the Cleaver's name from appearing on the ballot and to dissuade people from voting for peace and, uh, peace and freedom. I think he did that deliberately, acting on the knowledge that he has that the American people, by and large, want their, their ballots to count. And by announcing, even before Cleaver was a certified candidate, that he would not be certified on the ballot, the Secretary of State was, I believe, moving deliberately to keep people, to move people away from a tendency to vote for peace and freedom. And he maintained that position throughout, and therefore hoping that many people who would have voted peace and freedom, wanting their ballots to count, would be somehow beguiled into thinking that they can vote for a presidential candidate through some other mechanism. But any vote for peace and freedom still is a vote for Eldridge Cleaver for president. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. We'd like to Eldridge, comment. I wasn't at the uh, University of California today. What happened there? Yeah, I want to get think the, so that people who attended classes. Can you come a little closer? Because we can't pick it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Otherwise, we can't hear what you're saying. I think that the school uh, opened on schedule. Uh, classes were held on schedule, and uh, uh, members of the faculty and also guest lectures uh, fulfill their responsibilities. Uh, in particular situation that I was involved in, uh, we were running a little late because of uh, a lot of interest in this particular course. Uh, there was a crush at the door. We had to go in through the back door. Uh, the newsmen were blocking the door with their cameras and uh, so their tape recorders, you know, and their long noses. <laughs> and, uh, but we went in and we delivered the first of our 10 scheduled lectures and we'll be back uh, next Tuesday for number two. Uh, I enjoyed it myself. Uh, 
had a very good response from the students. They, they raised some very uh, penetrating and uh, interesting questions, and uh, I thought it was a very good session. Uh, one of my first experiences at university, I didn't make it on to the other way, and uh, so I'm satisfied with the results. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Mickey Mouse Regan and Donald Duck Rafferty will not be satisfied, but that's another one of their problems, you know. What's the gist of lecture number one, Albert? Well, we laid the framework um, to try and get into the roots of racism in this country. We talked about uh, possible sources of uh, color symbolism in Western society, um, dealt with the structure of uh, the concept of history uh, as black people uh, see history and a uh, different concept as white people see it. And we also dealt with uh, Oh, well, how can I really describe uh, a lecture that lasted an hour and a few words? But basically, we, this was laying the foundation and building the broad framework uh, for subsequent lectures. And we laid the foundation for understanding uh, color symbolism and the connotation, negative and positive connotations to the colors black and white in this country and getting into slavery and how all of that was intermingled. You, know? you mentioned uh, some you of the questions. What, what were the most interesting questions you had? Perhaps that would give us a better idea of what uh, how the thing progressed. What, are they, what did they want to know? Well, they, they, were, um, uh, they were interested in knowing how uh, color symbolism, uh, which basically you see black and white it has this, this positive and negative valuation in the society. You, you talk about uh, black cats being uh, bad luck. Uh, you wear black clothes for mourning at funerals. Uh, black beard, the pirate. Uh, uh, when you, you do something uh, evil, you, they call it blackmail. Uh, on the other side, uh, like when a virgin bride is taken, she wears white clothes to symbolize good. Uh, white is right, and so forth. Uh, this is connected with something in the uh, physical phenomenon of nature and it was my position that this is possibly connected with uh, night and day. Uh, the fact that uh, human beings uh, found it very difficult to survive uh, and their survival was threatened during night time, you know, when the sun goes down, uh, the vision of human being is no longer very functional, so that there were a lot of uh, dangers in the environment at night, so that uh, became negative uh, in the way people related to night. They were glad when the sun rises and all that, you know. So we got into the very, what we feel to be the very root of uh, the, the negative and positive connotations of black and white, and how this uh, became intermingled when uh, slavery was set up uh, between black people and white people and the color symbolism attached to that and so the negative connotations that relate back to night and day are uh, somehow intermingled with that and we brought that down and made the distinction between uh, racism that does not involve any color and how this particular racism in this country uh, because of the color situation becomes even deeper and more problematical for the people involved. I'd like to get that line you gave the people up there about you, you spoke and the sun was still shining and the walls didn't fall. Well, you know, <laughs> Uh, these demagogic politicians like uh, Ronald Reagan and Max Rafferty had been predicting that uh, 
uh, chaos would uh, quickly follow upon the heels of any appearance by myself on the campus. And when we came out of the room, we found that uh, it was a very nice day outside, the sun was shining, uh, the walls and the buildings of the university seemed to be intact, uh, there were no smoke clouds in the distance, and a uh, very beautiful day, in fact it was much more beautiful because Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck weren't around. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Mr. Cleaver, in, in light of the court decision, by the Supreme Court to yeah. Do you expect to be able to finish your lecture series, uh, the 10 lectures? Because of uh, the Supreme Court decision not certifying me for the ballot? No, the other one, the state Supreme Court. Oh. Was it district You mean court? the District Court of Appeal yeah. decision uh, concerning my parole? refused to hear it, right, right. And the Supreme Court has refused to hear it? State Supreme Court. They refused to hear it? Didn't they? I don't know. Have they? I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about that. So you uh, have 60 days on that? I have 60 days to perfect an appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, I better call my lawyer as soon as I get through here, find well, out if that's the case. Wrong. I hope so. But the point is that uh, I never know what those people are going to do next, and so I can't uh, schedule my life according to their whims. Uh, my present plans are to continue with my work. Uh, if uh, it's interrupted by some of their arbitrary moves, then we'll have to deal with that when that happens. But at present, I haven't altered my plans, I haven't altered my perspective, I haven't altered anything that I intend to do. And uh, it's up to them to uh, force me to alter my plans. Some of the people who, who were a little lukewarm uh, on your appearance at Cal have made reference to the to the language you use. What's your, been your reaction to that, to denying your appearance on, on UC campus because of the language you're said to use all the time? I say there's none of their fucking business. <laughs> uh, recently, we, we recently launched in the in Alameda County in Oakland and Berkeley and Richmond and in San Francisco a police control program which is co-sponsored by the Peace and Freedom Party and the Black Panther Party. And uh, we, the, one of the direct impetus for this program, we, it can be seen in the police action of last week where uh, George Basket, truck driver, was shot by an off-duty San Francisco policeman, who, uh, where there's ample evidence that this was a racist policeman, a racist act, and where a policeman, a police officer should have been removed from the force a long time ago. We uh, think that this is directly a result of the police not being able to discipline themselves. And the Peace and Freedom Party and the Black Panther Party have, have gone together to jointly sponsor a new program which would remove the uh, establishing of programs and policies of the police department away from the kind of internal mechanisms which we now have, resulting in a kind of chaos where Chief Cahill moves to uh, condone the actions of the police officer even before the facts are out. We want to remove this kind of demagogy to uh, the community where the police are hired, the police are hired to serve the community, they are hired to be servants of the people. We, uh, the police control initiative will attempt to do just that by placing the control back into the hands of the people at a local level. How, how so? What do you what are you saying? A police review board, or, or what kind of situation are you planning to set up? Uh, I will leave. Uh, ask Mr. Harry Orr, who's the spokesman for San Francisco Peace and Freedom, to describe the police control uh, uh, setup as is proposed for San Francisco. Okay. Oh, yeah.
first point I'd like to make is that it's not a police review board. It is a police control board, and they're uh, dealing with two different concepts here. The Peace and Freedom Party and the Black Panther Party in San Francisco will very shortly have on the streets uh, our police control petition. And very briefly, this would, as Jim said, give control of the police in San Francisco to the people of San Francisco uh, through the following mechanism. There are nine police precincts in San Francisco. Each precinct, within each precinct, there would be five elected members to control the workings and the day-to-day -day running of that, those particular precinct stations. Now, each of these nine elected boards would elect a chairman. The chairman of these nine boards would sit as a reconstituted police commission of San Francisco. And they would be vested with all of the authority. That underground, that underground thing? No, these, these people would be elected by the people within the area that they are serving. We're replacing the police commission. We're talking about replacing the existing police commission with, uh, with nine people from the various neighborhoods who are, who are responsive to the electorate, to the people in those neighborhoods. And this citywide police control board, composed of the nine chairmen, would have complete power to hire, fire, set policies, set wages, and would, uh, would indeed be the final, ultimate uh, decision-making power vis-a-vis uh, -vis police action or inaction. And they would also have the power, I'd like to add, to, uh, to hire and fire the uh, police commissioner to replace him when necessary. And the chief, too? And the chief, yes. Well, that's, excuse me, that's what I meant to say. Would it be a board parallel to them not replacing the police commission? No, it would replace the presently constituted police commission because this, this will require a city charter amendment. And we're not planning to set up a parallel institution, rather we're planning to disband the institution that now exists, namely the police, com the police commissioners, because we don't think it's responsive to anybody except the hierarchy in the police department. The control uh, through this mechanism comes from the fact that the commissioners uh, and the, the uh, various uh, precinct ele uh, elected people are elected by the people as well as being uh, a subject to their recall. So whenever the policies of the police, the policies established by this commission are out of line with the wishes of the community, they may then be recalled. Do, do you have a draft of the petition? Uh, there, I, I have drafts of, I have a leaflet describing the one at Richmond. San Francisco this is a new program. I could hand that to you. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.